Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode two of the Divorce Tribe podcast, Life is Pain Highness, Coping with the Extreme Grief and Pain of a Divorce. Uh, I've had a great week. You know how there are just ups and downs in this life? Well, this week was an up, and there's not any particular reason. Yes, my son still got mad when I I told him to turn off his Minecraft game, and my daughter still wanted to run around the house in her underwear— But I feel happy, I feel healthy, and these weeks are great, especially when you're healing from deep grief and pain, and it takes a while to get here. Everyone who has gone through a divorce or who is going through a divorce knows what I'm talking about. So my goal this episode is to share some of my story about the pain and grief I experienced, pain and grief that was at times overwhelming, and I want to share how I was able to recover with the help of therapy, family, and my divorce tribe. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading. Now, I'm still enjoying Aftermath. If you remember from last week, it's Rachel Cusk's autobiography of her divorce, and it's beautifully written. I've quite enjoyed her style of writing, but then again, two of my majors were English and French, so I spent a lot of time reading great literature. So to be able to pick something up about divorce and enjoy it for what it is, great literature, albeit difficult to read and at times triggering, brings me back to when I was in college and getting to read these books I loved for school assignments. In her book, she talks about grief and pain several times. In one chapter, she compares her marriage and subsequent divorce to a toothache. Quote, The pain no longer had any intermissions. It used to be possible to escape from it at night, in sleep but lately it had found out that hiding place too, and had broken it down like an invader breaking down the door of an ill-defended fortress. The ease with which the door came down was a crisis in itself. How fragile, how insubstantial normality was proved to be once pain came to disturb it. Pain is strong and huge and relentless. Pain can destroy whatever it has a mind to. Pain is the bomb that falls a normality the grass that grows at length over the crater. To resist pain, one must be as strong as pain, must make of oneself a kind of human bomb shelter. End quote. In this paragraph, she's describing the pain of her toothache, and she compares it to an invader, a bomb, and the only way to resist it is to make yourself a human bomb shelter. Now, Rachel Cusk has two daughters that she talks about in her book, And in the next paragraph, she has moved beyond comparing her toothache pain to her divorce and calls it out for what it is. The divorce is actually causing pain. She says, My daughters and I do not leave home very often. A kind of numbness has settled on our household that any movement can transform into pain. And then she goes on, closely tied to that pain is grief. Because in divorce, they're closely tied together. She describes the grief that she is feeling. 
Grief is not love, but it is like love. This is romance's estranged cousin, a cruel character, all sleeplessness and adrenaline unsweetened by hope. Now, isn't that just beautiful writing to, to describe such a sad emotion? Not love, but like love, all sleeplessness and adrenaline unsweetened by hope. By comparing grief to love, she outlines the similarities between two starkly different feelings and emotion. Love causes sleeplessness, adrenaline, a quickly beating heart. And yet grief causes those same things, sleeplessness adrenaline, a quickly beating heart. Yet despite those similarities, love has hope and happiness and joy, and grief has despair and depression and misery. This grief and this pain, this actual physical pain, was a big surprise in my divorce. Now, I had experienced grief before, because three years before my divorce, my wonderful dad was experiencing some health issues. Uh, he got sent to the hospital, and uh, my mom called me, and I left work immediately and went up there to see him. He was doing fine. He just had one of his legs, which had just swollen up. He was on immunosuppressant drugs to deal with some gut issues he had been having. And because of that, he'd gotten sick, and he had pneumonia or something uh, that was shooting blood clots down into his leg. Well, they decided to take him in for some exploratory surgery just to see what was going on down there. And the moment they made the incision, his blood pressure dropped. And they had to remove his leg. So they came and told us while we were in the waiting room. And they also told us that they were moving him to the ICU because... In addition to having to remove his leg, his body was going into septic shock. It was basically shutting down. And so for the next three weeks, he was unconscious, fighting for his life in the ICU. Me and my brothers took turns staying in the room and watching him and just being there with him. And eventually, he slowly came out of it. He healed uh, but during this time, we experienced the extremes of grief and no hope because we thought he was going to die. And then the elation as he came out of it and began talking and telling us about his crazy drug-induced hallucinations that he was having. And uh, it became quite a positive experience there for us near the end because we had seen such depths of grief and pain and then all of a sudden we were experiencing this joy that he was going to survive and he was going to make it. Now, this was one of the most emotionally trying times of my life up to that point. Uh, lucky me, two years later and another year after that, I set a new personal record of grief and pain uh, it was amazing to me how much it hurt, how much I cried. And I asked myself, how the hell can something emotional be so painful, so physically painful? I hear people talk about healing from the wounds of divorce because it is an emotionally and physically damaging event. In fact, that's one of the purposes of this entire podcast to show you that you can put the jigsaw puzzle of your life back together, 
that it's not irreparable. I used the description last week from Rachel Cusk's book describing marriage and divorce as a jigsaw puzzle um, and how taking it a step further, divorce is like taking that jigsaw puzzle pretending it's made of glass and then just, you know, swiping it off the table and onto the floor. Well, in this case, we can put our own lives together. We can put it back together. But how do we heal from a wound that we can't see, that you can only feel? Well, let's compare it to actual wounds, actual injuries. So growing up, my older brother had the worst luck. One year, we were all waiting for the school bus after elementary school. And this school had a grassy hill that sloped down until it met pavement and uh, the basketball courts. And during the winter, this became the sledding hill. And so, you know, after two, three hundred elementary kids had gone down it, it became just pure ice. And so we were waiting for the elementary school bus, and my brother, right as it showed up, decides, I'm going to go down one more time, but this time, I'm going to go down standing on my feet. And so he did, and he did so good. Slid down, doing great, until the very bottom when his feet went, whoop, out from under him, and oh, smash, he landed right on his arm. And he cradles it, stands up, walks up to the bus. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I hurt my arm. And we get on the bus and he's cradling it this entire way home. And then we get home. My mom takes him to the uh, doctor and of course it's broken. Well, not to be outdone, a year later, a couple years later, we're at a church event, and at this church event, we're ice skating. And they finally say, hey, it's time to close down, uh, everybody off the ice. And James decides, I'm going to go around one last time. And he does. And this last time around the ice, he does the same thing. He falls, lands on his arm, and breaks it again. So, uh, just not great luck. Now, neither of these breaks were visible. They were below the surface, only apparent from the pain they caused and by a clinician conducting an examination and x-ray of the bone to determine what course of treatment was required. Now, my brother's breaks were minor. They didn't need to be reset. They didn't need surgery. They just needed a cast to allow the body to heal the fracture without aggravating it or causing further damage. Other fractures can be much more severe. They may need to be reset, or in extreme cases, they may need surgery and metal screws and implants to fix the fracture. Now, what's the purpose behind this whole story about my brother's bones breaking? Well, this is just like the pain of a divorce. There are differing levels. For those who are mutually dissatisfied and make a mutual decision to leave the marriage amicably, the pain may not be as severe. May not being the opportune phrase. It's still there, mind you, but it can be a minor break that can heal without extreme intervention. Most other divorces that involve infidelity, mental or physical abuse, abandonment, or even divorces where one spouse doesn't want it to end and the other spouse walks away, those take much longer to heal. They may need surgery, a.k.a. therapy, 
to heal the wound. And even though a lot of the time no wound is visible on the surface, you can also wear a cast of grief and pain that is hard to disguise. But we often try with a false smile before rushing to the bathroom or to another room where we can cry in a stall or hide our grief from our children. So how does the body repair these injuries? Well, for a broken bone, the initial reaction of the body is to form a blood clot and callus around the fracture to protect it. And then the bone cells start to regenerate and grow towards each other on both sides of the fracture. The pain slowly lessens as healing occurs, and eventually it becomes just an annoying itch under the cast. And ultimately, with the right care, the pain is gone, the cast is removed, and the bone is just as strong as it was before the fracture. Now, without proper care, a severe break can continue to cause pain and even loss of function of the limb. And severe grief and pain of a divorce without proper care can continue to cause pain and actually be detrimental to our recovery. That's where therapy comes in. Now, therapists should become a large part of your divorce tribe. And we'll discuss the positives and negatives of therapy in a separate episode. But for now, compare therapists to the surgeon who repairs a serious fracture. They have studied for years to be able to help you develop the mental and emotional skills necessary to move on from the pain of a divorce. But therapy shouldn't be the only tool to help you deal with this grief and pain. That's where family comes into play. And family has always been a big help for me as I've gone through the grief and pain of my divorce, especially my mom. Uh, She's always been there for me when I have experienced things like this. I remember we had this dog growing up named Toby. Toby was basically a member of our family. Uh, She was there throughout elementary school, junior high, high school, while I was gone on a mission for my church, and then when I got back. And I got married, and my mom called me one day while I was at work and told me, Toby's not doing so good. She's pretty sick. And I stayed at work and left, uh, and my mom called and told me that Toby had you know, passed away. Well, I didn't cry at that moment. I just was sad because a member of our family who we loved had passed away. And my wife and I drove down to my parents' house. I walked inside, you know, walked up the stairs and uh, went down the hallway where my mom was. And the second I saw her, I just broke down into tears. I just started crying and I just sobbed into her shoulder. And I've been able to do the same thing several times with my divorce. As I've gone through a rough week or a rough day or a rough month or a rough year, there are those times when I'll just show up at my parents' house and I've been able to just hug my mom and cry into her shoulder. There is something so therapeutic about being able to let out all your emotions and just cry into someone's shoulder without worrying about being judged or looking bad. I'm reminded of the lyrics of one of my favorite musicals, Waitress. The main character is talking to her baby, and she says, 
I hope someday somebody wants to hold you for 20 minutes straight. They don't pull away. They don't look at your face. All they do is wrap you up in their arms and hold on tight without an ounce of selfishness in it. Now, for some of you, this person may be a mother. For others, this person could be a good friend. And I hope you have someone in your life that you feel comfortable doing this with. I think it's also something that needs to be normalized for men. It's not cowardly. It does not show weakness. It shows vulnerability and emotional intelligence and, strangely enough, strength to be able to cry, to be able to show your emotions. Now, moving on, in my research this week, I came across an article written in the Harvard Health Publishing Journal from Harvard Medical School that talks about how to overcome grief. It's specifically talking about older men who experience the loss of someone important, whether it's a spouse or a close friend. But the same principles can be applied here, and I used many of them in my journey to heal from divorce, and I mentioned a few of them in last week's episode. Number one is to take yoga or tai chi as a class. According to the article, this can reverse effects of stress and grief and practiced regularly can reduce the activity of the genes that cause inflammation in the body. This is actually one of the things I did to help myself get through some of the grief and pain of my divorce. There's something about yoga that helps release emotions. Plus, it's a helpful way to find others who can be part of your divorce tribe. Number two, eat a healthy diet. I know when I am eating chocolate and candy and pizza and hamburgers and just stuffing myself with things that I know are not healthy, one, I get horrible heartburn, and two, I just don't feel good about myself. When I start eating more healthy, you know, five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, you know, healthy meals that are home cooked, I feel so much better about myself. My heartburn goes away and I don't feel like a horrible human being. Number three, good sleep hygiene. I'll cover this in a completely separate episode because this is something that is tough to deal with in divorce. Number four, Move. Get outside. Go on a walk. Do some exercise. Go out with some friends. Just get out and move. And number five, this is new from last week. Keep track of your health. Go to the doctor. Get a medical exam. See the dentist. Get those cavities filled. Keeping track of your health will allow others to help you with those health items that you may be neglecting because your mind is elsewhere. Number six, take on new responsibilities. If you have a lot of time, sign up to serve at the local food pantry. Volunteer to take shelter dogs on walks. You'll get the added benefit of unconditional love from dogs who haven't experienced that in their lives. You'll also get rid of the requirement to move because you'll be taking dogs for a walk. And number seven, reach out to your tribe for support. Obviously, the Harvard Health article doesn't word it exactly this way, but it means the same thing. Reach out to your friends and family. Reach out to your Facebook group. Just reach out and seek that help, comfort, and guidance from others. 
Now, not included in the Harvard article are a couple more items that have helped me. The first one is practicing mindfulness. Now, that's easier said than done. What I had to do is learn about mindfulness by taking a free class that was advertised by my daughter's school. Mindfulness-based stress reduction was what the class was called. And I could spend an entire podcast episode going through mindfulness, and maybe I will another day. But there are therapists and doctors who spend years studying mindfulness, so they could probably do an entire podcast series on it. For me, it was something that I had heard about during a food appreciation lecture at work. But the stress reduction was what really caught my eye. In addition, one of my therapists uses mindfulness as a therapy tool. And at first, it seemed like a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, but it was surprisingly helpful. So find an expert who can help you practice mindfulness. Because without the help of someone who actually knows what they're doing, it's kind of hard to really understand what's going on with mindfulness and how to actually implement it into your daily lives. The second item I would suggest is to practice prayer. I would suggest this even if you aren't religious. Existentialist philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said that prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. And there is research demonstrating that it has actual health benefits. The Wall Street Journal published an article titled The Science of Prayer that shares research showing that prayer can decrease anxiety, calm your nervous system, make you less angry and less likely to react to negative emotions. And if there's an event in your life that tends to increase anxiety, makes you react negatively to your emotions, divorce has to be among the top three events that can do that. So get down on your knees. And if you aren't religious, take a class on meditation because meditation has similar benefits. Last of all, if the pain and grief seem like too much to bear, seek professional help and don't self-medicate. A therapist can help teach you to train your mind to become aware of those thoughts that are causing you pain and causing you grief, to accept them as normal because they are normal. This is a horrible experience you're going through. Feeling that pain and grief is completely normal. And then to take action, even if it's just to tell yourself that you will address the pain and the emotion at a later time, because that is still an action. So to summarize, divorce is damaging, just like a broken bone is damaging. It's extremely painful, even if it's not always visible. And you may have become very adept at hiding that pain and emotion, but the grief can also be overwhelming. And because of that damage, it's beneficial to have an expert guide you through the healing process. Just a quick note on therapy. Don't assume because you tried it once and didn't like the person that it can't work for you. I've tried many therapists, and only a couple were great for me. The others didn't really work, so don't get discouraged. Rely on your divorce tribe for comfort and emotional catharsis. For some of you, this is a family member, and for others, it's a good friend. Your divorce tribe can help you heal and can provide support and commiseration that you may not get from therapy. 
And finally, use the principles outlined in the Harvard Health Grief article. Yoga, a healthy diet, good sleep, movement, keeping track of your health, taking on new responsibilities, reaching out to your tribe, your friends, your family for support. And then finally, practice mindfulness, pray or meditate, and seek professional help. The grief I felt those first few months was extreme. It was like I was having a 24-7 panic attack that balled up in my chest and my gut. And I had to contain it because I couldn't lose it in front of my kids. If you're in this stage, I'm so sorry, but I know you can get through this. You are amazing, and no matter what that gaslighting idiot of a spouse said or did, you're stronger than you believe. Keep moving forward, and don't worry if it takes a while. Go easy on yourself, and for heaven's sakes, try to get some sleep. In fact, sleep is what we're going to talk about next week, because it seems impossible to sleep. At least it was for me. So get ready for some ideas, some stories to show you that not being able to sleep is completely normal. And I'll also show you how I managed to get some sleep early on in my divorce. So, look forward to that next week. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit thedivorcetribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce. And follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember, you are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Until next time.